You are listening to the Happy Mama Village, a podcast for mamas, about mamas, and by mamas. Brian and Annie are both certified professional life coaches, passionate about empowering mamas to live wholehearted lives, find purpose in the mundane, and embrace feeling lit from within. Brian's expertise is working with women going through or recovering from a divorce, loss, or breakup. Annie is an expert in helping families thrive through shifts in mindset and parenting techniques. If you are feeling overwhelmed and unseen and are wanting to take you and your family beyond the status quo, this podcast is for you. We are so happy you are here. Welcome back to another week at the Happy Mama Village. We are your hosts, Annie Henderson and Brian Selinski. Today we are talking about seeing black in America with Brock Jones. Here at the Happy Mama Village, we discuss all things pertaining to happy mamas, like relationships, parenting, self-care, mama tips, current events, and so much more. So we usually like spend a little bit of time chit-chatting, Annie, but today I think we're going to just dive right in because we've got a really important topic and I want to make sure that we uh, get as much time with Brock as possible. So today we are joined by Brock Jones. Brock is an African-American husband, father, preaching pastor, and president CEO of Transformus Movement, a nonprofit organization that empowers young adults to use their unique talents to serve their communities and bring reconciliation to our world. Brock and I are good friends, and we've had some other tough conversations in the past about race. Uh, We've asked Brock here to have a real open and honest conversation about the state of our country in light of recent events surrounding the death of George Floyd. Welcome, Brock. (laughs) Good morning, ladies. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so glad you are here. Great introduction, man. I I, I feel like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you are awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So, Brock, let's start with you telling us how you've been feeling since hearing the news on May 25th. Uh, Man, it's, um, it's been a kind of a roller coaster. Uh, I, I, I was actually going into a meeting. I was just about to go into a meeting that day. It was a Tuesday, I believe. And I made the, I won't say mistake. It wasn't a mistake, but I, I pulled my phone out and checked social media like we always, everybody does. Mm-hmm. I thought, let me get one more little check before the meeting. You know? <laughs> and uh, I happened to stumble across a photo. I didn't see the video at the time, but I saw a photo and of the guy uh, with his you know, knee on, on, on George's neck and he died, you know, I had information and my whole countenance just, it just Mm. deflated, just dropped. And, um, I couldn't, I couldn't entertain the meeting that I was going into. Uh, it it just kind of sunk my day. Uh, just because I'm, I'm, I'm tired of, I'm tired of seeing, uh, police brutality that's unmerited. You know, and every time in my in my in my instances, when I go on, every time I see the police brutality or a murder or a police shooting uh, in my in my instances, it's always a a black male or a, a black female receiving on the receiving end of the uh, mm-hmm. of the abuse. And in mm-hmm. these cases, the loss of life. And it just it just sunk me. 
And I've been I've been up and down since then. But that day, man, it really it really crushed me. And I had to really kind of shake back. I had to really be intentional about trying to shake back because it, it really messed me up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, as you were, as you were talking, I, it, that, that is so true. Like we, we don't see police brutality against white people. Like I can't think of an instance. I mean, I'm sure maybe that there, maybe there are, but I can't even sit here and recall one single incident. Right. You know, and they may that's happen. That, that's crazy. They may right, happen. Right. Like I'm not saying that. You know, I don't think any any African American is saying that it doesn't happen to the majority or Caucasians. But when you compare, you know, and I don't, I'm not a stats guy, so I can't give you accurate stats. I just know. Let's say, for instance, if if white America makes up seventy to seventy five percent of America, and African Americans make up twelve to thirteen percent, but you have maybe a fifty to seventy-five uh, number difference between police brutality, homicide. That's an amazing difference between <laughs> this small right. population group getting murdered off by police at this right. alarming rate compared to it's very disproportionate. And but some people argue those facts, and you're like, like, well, you know, if you have any type of perspective and common sense you would know that this is happening more frequently on this small particular group of people than it is in anybody else right right and so uh, a couple days after it happened I kind of stumbled across another video and gosh his name just completely um, left me just now but um, it was a gentleman, he was in his car, he was pulled over for like a broken taillight or something like that. And uh, he was black and his wife and child were in the car with him. Oh, and yeah. And um, he was... Is it Philandro? Philandro yes, thank Philandro, you. Philandro thank Castro, Castro. Yes, 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 yes. And he was telling the officer that he had a concealed handgun license and Will has a concealed handgun license. And so anytime he gets pulled over, um, he would have to, to, to disclose that. And so I've seen Will do that. And never in a million years did I think that that would cost Will his life. Like that just did never occur to me. Right. And so watching that video was extremely disturbing to me um, because yeah. it hit home yeah. it hit because I've been in that situation you know right. right yeah and to think that something like that can cost a man his life right it just just really totally hit it probably hit me more than anything else yeah um yeah. so um a few days ago, I was having a conversation with Brooklyn about white privilege, and we were talking about George Floyd and what she thought. She's 11. You know, what What have you seen on social media? She's not, she's on like TikTok, I think maybe, but that's it. So she right. doesn't have a whole lot of social media. But, you know, what what's your take, Brooklyn? How do you feel about it? And we talked a little bit about the rioting and that she thought that was wrong. And mm. Uh, I was like, well, I think everybody thinks it's wrong. I don't think anybody thinks it's right, you know. Right. Um, and and then we talked about the video, and she was really upset that no one jumped in to uh, people just videoed. Nobody right. jumped in to help him. Right, right. And 
I said, well, sweetie, okay, let's, let's think this through. If, what if, what if all the people videoing were black? Right. And do they feel like that they can go and try to help him? Or are they going to get shot? Right. You know, it, my white privilege tells me that if I'm standing there, I can go up and confront those police officers and they're not going to shoot me. Right. That's white privilege. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that I feel like I can get away with that. You know, that I have the liberty to go and do that. But if you're black, you don't necessarily feel that way. In fact, you probably feel the opposite. Definitely. You know? Definitely. I mean, there's one one guy getting killed right there uh, on the ground. And there's four other officers there probably with hands on guns uh, waiting for somebody to do something awkward. So they have an excuse to pull the trigger, you know? Right. And so that conversation with her about white privilege and what that actually looks like, I think kind of shifted her thinking. So I want you to tell us a little bit about white privilege. Right. Okay. I think the essence of I think the essence of white privilege is the fact that there's a million different uh, thought processes and obstacles that African-Americans have to consider and and overcome in this nation that the the white white America like never ever has to even consider when it comes to just living a normal life. You know, I mean, just the simple fact of you saying like, hey, Will Will was, you know, a law abiding citizen. He had a, you know, a concealed carry license. He gets pulled over. He just says, Hey, hey man, listen, I got a concealed carry license. Here's my stuff. Boom. And then you kind of go about your day, routine a routine event that nothing happens, but black America in that instance, there's a, there's an immediate panic. Oh my God, I got a gun in the car. They're going to profile me. They're going to stereotype me. They're going to pull up something that happened when I was 12 years old. Uh, He's going to find an excuse to do something, you know, irrational and, and threaten my well being. And then in that, in that instance, the guy murdered him. You know, in the front of his his uh, girlfriend and, and child, and then he ends up he ends up getting uh, a not guilty verdict. I mean, right. that's kind of the essence of white privilege, in the sense that um, had the roles been reversed, and that was an African American cop, and that was a white American in the car with a concealed carry gun license, and that scenario played out that way. Um, who knows what type of sentence the African-American police officer would have got. Right. Um, right. There's things like white privileges, like um, African-American, I have to think about my hairstyle before I go apply for a job. What does my hair look like? You know, do I have dreadlocks? Oh, my God, if I have dreadlocks, they're going to think I'm unprofessional and they're not going to give me a job because of my hair or my skin color or my you know, my last name, maybe my last name or my first name doesn't fit the description of an ideal candidate to work here. You know, but if my name was Tiffany or Karen, you know, <laughs> on the resume, then it wouldn't even, you know, that wouldn't even be a a, consi- a, 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 a negative representation of what right. type of person this is before you even look at, you know, before you even look at the person, there's already a stereotype right. or stigma that follows them that's white white privilege is kind of the the essence of that these 
these these hurdles and obstacles that African-Americans have to overcome to even get to the place where there's an equal playing field. Right, right. So can you think of any examples on social media that you've seen recently, kind of reactions from white people that kind of embody white privilege? Oh, this, this, the, this, the, just the response to looting instead of the response to the fact that people are losing their lives at the hands of police officers who are being paid by African-American taxpaying citizens. Just the fact that everybody's up in arms about, uh, oh, my God, look at these these people, these, you know, and people throw around loose terms, these thugs or these these, you know, crazy people that are acting, they're acting like animals. They are, you know, they're acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they say they, they're not talking about, we all know that there's white and black people down there doing foolish things. But mm-hmm. most of the times people are generalizing, generalizing and saying they, they really mean black America. Um, but white privilege is stop destroying our stores. Don't destroy our stores. Um uh, then the focus is on tangible material things instead of the loss of human life. Right. You're messing up our economy. You're messing up our economy. <laughs> You're messing up our jobs. We can't do, you know, this and that. But they're overlooking the outcry of 400 plus years of systemic oppression and murder and violence and pillaging and all the things. And they're saying, oh, yeah, whatever. Just stop messing up our, our stores and stuff, <laughs> you know. Like, right. you know, that, and then to me, that's kind of like the essence of overlooking, hey, I, that's your stuff. You deal with your stuff. But our, our white privilege and our white society needs to stay the same. Nothing needs to change. You guys have to just deal with it. Deal with it on your own terms. So help us understand. Help us white girls understand about the riots. Like, why? Why riot? I think that's a question that a lot of people have is right. that it doesn't seem to make anything better. Um, it seems um, sometimes to perpetuate the bad blood, mm-hmm. you know, if you will. Mm-hmm. So kind of help us un- help us see it differently. Like why, why riot? Why? Right. So, and, and sorry, I have a quick question. And sure. I mean, when it comes to just the verbiage of a riot versus a protest. Yeah. Yeah, and what we're talking about. Definitely. So there's a lot of dynamics to what's happening in these instances uh, for the majority. Uh, most of these protests are actually peaceful protests. Um, I'm not going to get into any specifics because a lot of it can be considered conspiracy. But there are facts that there are third party uh, antagonist groups that show up to um, racially motivated uh, um, um, racially motivated uh, protests and outcries, and they're specifically there to to start confrontation and to incite incite riot. Yes. Um, I've seen I've seen the pictures of like the bricks being like delivered and placed in certain yeah, spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, horrifying. I mean, yeah, and that's 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 something that happens intentionally. So. Majority of people, not can't say all of them, but majority of people are down there just to pre- peacefully protest and and do and do their thing. There's there's obviously anger and animosity and frustration and and sadness and you know all that that's passionate that's gonna go on with that because people are fed up and tired. But um, 
to kind of ex- to make it, I guess to kind of make it make sense, it's almost like can compare it to being in school and there's this bully. There's a bully that just every day, every day he just he just comes and takes your lunch money and beats you up. You know, like mm-hmm. is the is the appropriate response or the politically correct response or the one the response that make makes follows the rules is go tell your teacher. But what if you tell your teacher and your teacher doesn't do anything to resolve the issue? At what point at what point do you decide to kind of have your own outcry and take matters in your own head and kind of sock the bully in his face one time to let him know, hey, man, we're, we're tired. I'm tired of this. I'm not going to put up with this anymore. Uh, is that the right thing to do? Um, some people would say yes or no, but when you get to a boiling point and you're fed up and you need to do something, you kind of have to choose to do something, especially if you try to take the appropriate route already mm-hmm. and say, hey, guys, there's a problem. Can you help handle this? This is not right. And nobody comes to aid and you know your passion may run over and you you get to a point where you're going to want to break something and that doesn't mean that's excusable but if you put yourself in the shoes of the the person that's having the incident I think there should be a bit of hey I can understand I know this is not right I'm not gonna I'm not gonna butcher you for it I understand but I I, I get it you know Mm-hmm. Right. It's not excusable, but it's understandable. Yeah. And it's it would be different if there weren't other other ways that this was tried to be handled. I mean, we look back over protest times, even going back to Martin Luther King's days. I mean, those guys tried to peacefully protest and they got, you know, attack dogs sicked on them and water holes sprayed and they got beat up and put in the jail and, and, and all kinds of things. And so there's been peaceful protests that didn't go right. There's been outcries and just shouting that didn't go right, and everybody complained. And then there's, hey, we can't take this no more. And then there's some, there's some, you know, some rioting and aggression shown, and everybody's complaining. And then it's like, well, it doesn't matter what African Americans do, it's never going to be enough or the right way or the appropriate way. And, and we're always expected to just comply, just comply and, and conform. And so it, it makes for an interesting scenario because there's not really a right answer because everything that's been tried has not been accepted, welcomed, and been effective in creating some substantial change. Exactly. And I've and I've I'm sure everyone by now has seen that meme where it has first like a picture of a a riot and fire and people are like, no, don't like don't do it like that. And then it also shows like the football player Colin kneeling. No, not like that. Right. The peaceful protest. Not like that. Not like that. Like it's whatever right. is inconvenient to um, white people. Well, right. We don't, we don't like that. Try right. something else. Right. Right. It's right. nothing ever. Nothing's ever going to be enough. It's like, well, but whatever, right. you know, like whatever, like we got to just express ourselves. And, right. Mean, um. So I have a couple of, reactions um that i would and i heard y'all i think this was before we started recording so i'm uh if y'all don't mind i'm gonna read one and then one of the reactions and i would love to hear um your thoughts on because i've had people also react to this person and i just want to kind of hear your thoughts because i'm sure if one person is saying it then it's in the minds of a lot of people right okay so 
Here's one Brian mentioned earlier. Here's an example of how white privilege sounds. You keep saying it's horrible that an innocent black man was killed, but destroying property has to stop. Try saying it's horrible that property is being destroyed, but killing innocent black men has to stop. You're prioritizing the wrong part. So I had posted that because I think sometimes the simpler, the better for people like to hear it in a multitude of ways Mm -hmm. where they're like, okay, this one got me. Those others, the other 500 didn't. (laughs) Um, So one, someone reacted with this, but hurting innocent business owners will not help bring Mr. Floyd back to life. Right. Well, my, my first, my first inclination or response will be like, well, then you don't really understand what this whole thing is about. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. to be honest, and this is a big statement and uh, I want to make it because it's a it's a true statement. If if the world just only thinks this is about George Floyd, then you're missing the point. Mm -hmm. If you think this is all if you think all of these things, all of this emotion, all of these responses, all the protests, all the outcry and the the feeling and the groaning of the world right now. If a person thinks that it's only because of George Floyd, then you're you're totally out of the loop and missing the point. This this has to do with like over 400 years of generational systemic oppression, racism and all kinds of other malicious activity upon a people group. And so if you're going to compare that to some a building that's probably insured and probably can get built back up you know i'm not i'm not making light of that but i'm saying if you're going to compare what i just said to uh, some buildings being destroyed like then you're totally missing the point of, of why these types of things are happening right now right right and i've seen and i've seen videos with um and i've seen both sides where there's like someone in the riots and it's I've seen one where it was a a white young man like breaking the glass with his skateboard and um a black gentleman behind him grabs the skateboard and you know they get him to to move yeah, on. Yeah. And then another one, yeah, and then another one with um uh some some black gentleman like blocking the door and you know black people and white people are coming up to the door and he's like nope, <laughs> like right. move on, this isn't the point. Because it's so like there's, the yeah, there's always going to be people that that are doing the wrong thing. Right. That's, and that's never, that never was the intent. It just happened. So you, you, you know, white America say, white America say, well, not all cops are bad. You know, don't, don't do this. Yeah, you're right. We're not saying all cops are bad, but don't turn around and say, well, all protesters are rioting and looting, looting. No, they're not. It's just a, some bad apples that are out in the crowd amongst hundreds of thousands of people that choose to do some stupid stuff. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a great point. Same it's, thing. It's yeah. The same the thing. Cop, bad cop. Right. Mm-hmm. But everybody wants us to comply and believe what they say. But then when we say what we say, it's kind of like, no, 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 no. Everybody's riding. Like, no, we're missing mm-hmm. the point. <laughs> we're missing mm-hmm. the point. Mm-hmm. And I love, and I love the videos where like the cops are joining in or they're kneeling with, with the protesters. Right. Right. Um, and it's and that's beautiful and that's that's what we want like everyone to get it and and to get passionate and and understand but so i have one i have another um 
comment by a friend's husband. Okay. And again, I feel like even though I don't dis- I don't agree with it, I know there's a bunch of people because I know I've read this before and I've heard it before. So it was like this. He was like, I'm not responsible for all the racism and slavery that has taken place in this world, nor am I going to take responsibility for it. What do you have to say to something like that? Man. (laughs) Right? Right? Wow, Wow, man. Um, I would have to say, and I would have to say, if if the shoes were on the other foot, would you still feel the same way? Mm-hmm. You know, if you had to walk a few miles in the shoes of of somebody that has experienced that this type of uh, oppression and stereotyping, profile and racism in general, would you still feel the same way? Um, because I don't know anybody that, you know, in the instance of uh, Mr. Castro or Trayvon Martin, Mike Brown, uh, Mr. Floyd. Uh, what if, what if that was, you know, your brother, what if that was your sister, your mom, your uncle, what if that was your best friend? What if that was your niece, your nephew? What if that was your daughter? Would you, would you want, would you want the people who had influence and power and the ability to create change and shift the narrative and shift the system? Would you want them to say, hey, man, I don't really care. It's not my responsibility. You deal with it. Right. And the, and, the, and I can see that the focus that he has is like on the past. And it's not like, I mean, the racism is happening today. And, and I, I saw a great TikTok by a, a young African-American gentleman. And he was just saying all the stuff his mom has ever had to tell him, like, make sure you get a receipt make sure, you know, your hoodie's down, make sure you always have a shirt on, make sure like all of these Mm -hmm. things that are just, you know, probably hundreds of things that he has to think about every single day just to be safe. And he mentions that when he leaves his friends, instead of saying, see you later, they all say, be safe. Be safe. Be safe going home, man. Be safe going home. That, 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 That doesn't mean drive safe. That means, hey, look out for cops. And right. you get pulled over, man. Be safe, bro. Like that's <laughs> that's that's a reality. That's insane. That's a reality. That's, that's insane. Yeah. And and again, if if that particular person has ever vouched for any type of systemic reform, or if they ever voted for something to be changed, that's because they knew that something in the past wasn't working and they wanted to do something about it. So what's the difference in seeing something being wrong in our government and our nation treating a people group wrong and you wanting to do something to change it? How, what's the difference between those two perspectives of this economic system's not right? Our, our forefathers set this economic system up or this particular president or this particular person set this in motion. I don't like that system. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to change my vote. I'm going to change how I spend my money because I want that to change. Well, the person who posted that post, I would ask, what's the difference between saying you weren't responsible? I'm not responsible for that particular system being set up, but I want it to change and I'm going to do something about it. What's the difference between that and saying, 
man, this people group is being oppressed. I know I didn't do it. I didn't set it up, but I want to do something about it. I would ask right. that. I would ask that person, "What's the difference in taking an action or a stand um, if you've ever taken a stand to change the system in this nation?" Right. When it comes to yeah, women's rights, LGBT, like if they've right. like they didn't have a hand in oppressing any of those groups, but they might still you know want the best for them. Right. Yeah. Right. Or 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 tax reform or right, right. That's what legalizing I'm marijuana or yeah. anything. I mean, they're right. That's what I'm like... saying. Like, like, if you take a stand for anything else, like you didn't, you may not have directly had a hand, or your dad or mom may not have directly had a hand in setting it up. But if you don't agree right. with it, then you right. take a stand. So what's what's so different between that and what we're dealing with right now when it comes to race relations? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so I've been watching or listening to a podcast um, about seeing white, and it's a and it's it's been really eye opening. But it's about how black and white was created, um, you know, years ago, and I mean, you know, generations ago, and it really, I think, a lot of what occurred to me and and what's talked about in this podcast is. It's really not about it's really not about not liking a particular group of people or disliking um, people's skin or heritage. It's about power and it's about keeping power. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's the part that we often miss is that it, it's it's not I think a lot of white Americans like I don't hate black people. I don't hate black people, you know, so I'm not racist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but do you support keeping white power? <laughs> you right, know, what I mean right, like right, the right. white people keeping the power, you yeah. know what I mean? And that's kind of what it comes down to is that you know, we're trying white people, we're trying to keep the power. People uh, in Washington, people in government, they're mm-hmm. trying to keep the power. And so in order to keep your power, just like a king might do, you know, a dictator, what do you have to do? You have to keep people in place. Right. You know? Right. I mean, that's 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 extor- that's historically America. That's that's, just, you know, history, historically speaking, that's historically European. You know, you know, from the from the onslaught, it was about power and gaining and 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 conquering and taking, you know, you know, Columbus said he discovered America. Yeah, he he discovered that there was land to be taken, (laughs) you know, and there was he discovered that there was people there that if they if they exercise their power, they could take what was there and 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 take it from them. And then they discover, hey, we can go pick up some slaves and get these these particular people to build our nation for us. And we can build we can build systems around these people group to always make sure that they're not 100 percent man, that they're a, a third of a man and that they don't have what we have. And so you have this system that's been established from the beginning that's been set up for the majority, which would be Caucasian Americans, uh, to be in a position of power and to always have a position of power over minority. 
And, right, and, so that they can be the ones voting, so that their right. vote counts more than anybody else. Right, right. And so that's, that's the DNA of America, and that's what a lot of people don't want to talk about and be real about, is that, you, you know, white America, if we're running a mile, let's say if we're running a mile and the win, the win of winning the race is winning at life, <laughs> you know, then that means that white America pretty much has like a three lap head start and, <laughs> and black America has to still run the mile, but we actually, we actually have hurdles that we have to jump over to. So we're running right. a mile with hurdles in a way and the position of power and a position that people are set up to win and thrive in life is like, well, we already got a three mile head start because of just how this race is set up. Right. And we set, and we set up those rules. And you set up the rules, <laughs> you set up the race, you set up the whole thing. Right. The black man, and then we win, right? And then we win, and we're like, "Hey, we won! It was it was fair. It was fair. You, you know, you should have trained harder. <laughs> you should have worked harder. You should have, you know, did this. You're just lazy. You just what? It's like, uh, you really, <laughs> you really right. saying this to me right now? That's a great, that's a great analogy, <laughs> and I hope that really, I hope everyone really takes a minute to think about that. If it is a race. And the white people have set up the guidelines and the rules, and we've given ourselves a head start, and we've given hurdles to other people groups, and then we come out ahead. How is that fair? Right. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, we would think that some of this stuff is common sense, you know, and it's not All taking right. a shot at anybody, but I think if you're a human, if you're a human being, this has nothing to do with politics or race or religion or any. If you're just a human being and you hear something like that, that should kind of make you think like, well, wait a minute. Is that true? Maybe I should kind of research it. Man, is that really a reality for people? Like, wow. And then there should be some type of compassion or grace or something that stirs up. But if it's kind of like, oh, well, you know. <laughs> That, and that's kind of what's been happening over the years. It's kind of like white America's yeah. been like, oh, well, you know, whatever. Oh, well, I'm I'm fine to win that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. You and just do I'm better. I'm cool with it. You do better. And, yeah. stop, and, hey, and, hey, and then say, hey, hey, stop complaining. Stop complaining all the time. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you got you got to run in the yeah, race. Yeah, you got to, you know, <laughs> at least you live here. You know what I mean? Like, at least you, the great state, the great country of America, at least you live here and stop throwing your black card around. You know, like, stop making it about... And those things over time get frustrating. And I think we're starting to see the overflow of that frustration come about right. again, again. It's always been there. It's just rearing up again. Right. So so what what can we do? Do you have any kind of like final thoughts? What what can, you know, white white girls in Texas do? What can <laughs> white folks in, you know, Nevada do? Like what 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 can we do? I think um Y'all have been doing some good stuff. I've been seeing some good stuff the past, uh, like, week or two. Uh, Y'all been joining forces with us. You know, I, I haven't seen that very often. But there's there's a lot of uh, white Americans going out and protesting with African Americans. Um, there's a lot more conversations being had. I know you, you mentioned it earlier before we got on, uh, but me, you and I sat down not long ago. With the uh, Amber Geiger, I think, Amber Geiger trial or whatever. Right. And we had um, a great conversation just around some food and, and we just talked. I think 
conversations, asking hard questions, getting an understanding about what the African-American plight is, what this nation uh what this nation has done to this people group for, you know, the, the hundreds of years that uh, we've, we've experienced it. I think having podcasts like this to where it's a roundtable kind of discussion and you can get different perspectives and hear things is a, is a start. And, and I think the more we do that and the more we break through because I've, I actually heard last night we had a we had a real talk video call last night with Transformers, and I asked a question before we got off. I said, uh, "I said, what is what are the things that prevent you know Caucasian Americans from talking to African Americans about these types of things?" And the three things they said was guilt, fear, and tradition. And obviously, guilt is oh my God, man, I feel so horrible. Uh, the fear is, oh my God, I don't want to be offensive uh, or or say something wrong. It might trigger, you know, might trigger something or whatever. And then the third was tradition is like, well, the way I feel and think about black people and, and white America and white privilege was passed down to me from my, my mother and my grandmother and all that. So it's kind of a part of my life and I don't know how to break out of that. And so I would say fight through the fear. If you feel guilty, don't let that be something that makes you um, chained up or bound up. Because obviously, Brian, uh, if you feel guilty, that doesn't mean you did something to me. So you don't have to feel like, oh, my God, I, I did something against Brock. You know, I can't approach him. Like, you, you didn't do anything to me, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, like, I, I appreciate a, uh, an apology. If you did it, I wouldn't push it away. But, man, you never hurt me and my family. You know, not directly. No, you never did that. So don't let that be a barrier that prevents you having a lunch with somebody to be able to say, man, I really want to get an understanding of of what's going on and why you feel the way you feel, because I I, want to be a voice for you. You know, right. And that, you know, that lunch that we had, I was was great. It was awesome because we really came at it from two very different perspectives. I mean, definitely a black perspective and a white perspective mm-hmm. because I I was struggling to understand um why everyone was so mad at Amber. Right. I felt like I don't want to say she was justified, but I I felt compassion towards her like it was a mistake, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And 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 so I was thankful that you were, you know, patient and willing and loving to sit down, you and Dominique to sit down and 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 talk me through that and walk me through that. Right. And if more people, if more white people <laughs> can go and have some of these conversations and just say, "Hey, like this is how I feel. This is how I see it." Right. Show me how I'm wrong. Show me how I can have a broader perspective. Yeah. That doesn't make me it didn't make me racist no, that I held that that view at the time. I just I didn't have the full I didn't have a fuller picture. Right. You know? Right. And that's the thing is that misunderstanding is 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 so um divisive. And it's so like it, it just creates separation because if you never leave a situation with a understanding, then it was kind of like, oh, my God, that that was just a waste of you know, a right. waste of time and dialogue. It's like 
no, let's sit down and get an understanding. It doesn't mean that you're going to say, hey, you're right, you're wrong. Like, right. it's not. It's just saying, I totally understand way better than I did before why you feel this way, why you feel this way. And now we're close. We're coming. <clears throat> we're coming that much closer to resolution of, well, how do we fix this? But if the conversation never starts and there's never an understanding, then it's just going to be a mess. It's going to continue to be a mess. And we have to do this as hard as it is. We have to do it. It just has to happen. Yes, definitely. I would like to add one more thing. Because <clears throat> I've been saying this too, uh, as because a lot of people ask me, what can I do? What can I do? Um, one thing is, like I said, use your voice, you know, um, you know, you don't have to go on a tirade or anything like that. But silence, silence is practically saying that you agree with what's going on. Mm-hmm. So if you're silent and you're sitting back and you're just like, oh, well, these are my thoughts, but I'm not going to share my thoughts. So this is how I feel. I'm just not going to share. Well, if it's in your head, nobody else is going to know. Right. So use your voice to say where you stand on these issues because some people are just waiting on you to say something so that they can have the confidence to say something too. And if nobody ever knows where you stand, <clears throat> then there's no, there's no, um, there's no multiplication aspect of what could be that other people can come out of their shell and say, you know what? I, I want to have the confidence like Brian has. I don't like racism either. And I'm going to take a stand. And, 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 and even when it's cooler talk or if there's a Thanksgiving meal or a barbecue and maybe your aunt or uncle says something about African-Americans or racism that you don't agree with, you know, it's OK to say, hey, man, that's not right. You know, instead of letting that that thought process or that tradition or that whatever, keep going and keep lingering and being com- complacent with it and laughing at racist joke or that black comment or that whatever, instead of kind of turning a blind eye to it, well, what about we start saying, hey, stop that. Hey, don't, don't, don't say that anymore. Like, I don't, I don't agree with that. Instead of being complacent right. and complying and just like, oh, that's just, that's just Uncle Tom, you know, that's just Uncle Joe, <laughs> you know, whatever. Right, I, right. We got to break, you got to break the cycle at some point and, and it takes some, it takes some resistance. It takes a little bit of, Hey, we're not going to do that anymore. You know? Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. And I I used to have, so I was a school counselor and we would have the same conversations just about bullying or anything, right? You, you, instead of being a bystander, you can be an upstander. Otherwise people are going to assume that you agree with them. Right. And I would definitely not want people to assume that I'm on the same side of something I'm not part of. Um, Right. And I heard, I've seen an image recently that, um, you know, it's not, are you a racist? Yes or no, but it's a whole spectrum. Yeah. It's more like, are, how anti-racist are you? Mm. Are you, mm. are you still in denial? Are you defensive? Wow. Are you still feeling a bunch of shame? Yeah. Are you reaching out? Um, and, and just acknowledging that and, and being able to say, you know what, I am not as anti-racist as I would like to be and not, not feeling shame and like that you have to hide it, but admitting to, you know what, this is how I was, but this is where I want to be. And this is how I want to teach my children to be. And when, when they look back at this historic time, where do I want um, to have 
placed my flag, which what kind of stance am I wanting to take and support? Right, right. And that's a beautiful thing, man. I mean, that's that promotes growth. That's yeah, like with anything that needs to be some type of measurement. If you want to grow, you got to say, all right, well, let's start with where I'm where am I right now? Yes. And then yes. where do I want to be? And then you be honest with yourself and you say, all right, well, here's where I'm at. Here's my goal. Now let's work towards getting to that goal. And he, these are the things that I that have been suggested to me to get to that place. Now let me try to chip away at it. Yes. Yes. And I want to go back and I want to I want to uh, remind people the the podcast on seeing white. I really think every white person should check out this series. It's 13 parts. It is kind of long, but just kind of chip away at it. Just listen to it a little bit at a time. And it's uh, the podcast is called Seen on Radio. So Seen as an S-C-E-N-E mm. on radio. And the series is called Seeing White. And I promise you it's going to give you a broader perspective. It is going to move you forward regardless of where you are right now on that spectrum. It will move you closer to being anti-racist. Mm. I promise. That's awesome. Beautiful. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> All right. So that is going to wrap us up. This was a really important conversation. Thank you so much, Brock, for being here today and opening our eyes and, and being vulnerable with us. We appreciate thank it. Thank you, Brock. Oh, thank you guys for, for doing this. And thank you guys for kind of setting a standard, man, and setting being an example of how we can have healthy conversation. And it's not it's not argumentative. It's not, you know, negative but it's pushing culture and race relations forward. And uh, I appreciate you guys for that. Absolutely. Beautiful, Beautiful way to say that. <clears throat> Don't forget to go check out the toolbox at toolbox.thehappymamavillage.com for mama tips, tools, and resources. Thank you to everyone out there for spending time with us here at the Happy Mama Village today. Check out the show notes for more information about us and Brock and how to connect. We would love to hear from you about today's episode and any takeaways or aha moments that have inspired you. Go and be the change you want to see in the world. Thank you so much for spending time listening to this episode. I hope that you were inspired from our time together. We want to encourage you to leave a review, subscribe, and share a favorite episode that another mama needs to hear so that she can feel supported as she continues the brave and sometimes lonely journey of motherhood and life itself. By sharing, together we can change lives. If you are feeling overwhelmed and alone on this journey, reach out. We are here to help. Thanks for listening.